Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Jordan Herman. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app, Providence Community, from your phone's app store, or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Give it up for my beautiful wife. She is, uh, she's been the biggest catalyst in my life this past year, and uh, even standing up here, it's hard for me to say that without coming to tears, so... Before I get crying on you, I just want to say sorry for jumping out of that beautiful moment in worship this morning, because God was doing something so deep in hearts, and I just felt like he said, it's time to get in the word. So you guys okay with that? I just felt like there's a, there's a message burning on my heart today, and uh, I'm just so stirred to share it. I hope it's okay too, I don't stand on this. Is that okay with everybody? I, uh, I know it's a little wild. I, I tend to walk around and I tend to talk fast, so you're going to have to keep with me, Okay. And uh, yeah, but I wanted to share a funny story um, because the Holy Spirit was really coming and moving through my brother and the team this morning. It reminded me of a funny moment uh, in our school as we were training for this next season in Kona a few months ago. Um, We had a speaker come in and worship was so good and like we were thinking about the rest of our day. And then something happened where everyone in the room just got a sense that God was really changing hearts. He was really moving. It was one of those moments you just don't leave. I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that. I just, I know I have been so many times. And what, what happened was I looked over at my wife and I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I can't leave. I think she remembers this. And I remember her saying the same thing. And I look at Haven, our daughter, who's in the kids ministry. And she says, I poopy, just like that. And, uh, and I just, I just, I just reminded me this morning about how, how many times we could get so into his presence and how good he is. And uh, just about sometimes how it's like we don't want to leave that, but God's got something so good and so much better. So I just encourage you this morning, if God was moving in your heart, I'd, my prayer is just that he comes even more with more waves upon waves upon waves of his presence. And uh, for me this morning, I'm very fast, like I said, but I also need your hearts with me. And in the room this morning, I just want you to know, I want you to be all in. I I felt the Holy Spirit as we were worshiping, just speaking to me this morning that there's going to be things that God calls us to this morning that aren't comfortable. And I just, even if I ask questions, feel free to say, come on, brother. Feel free to say, okay, or feel free to say, I don't know what you're saying, or I don't know what's going on. All right. I love Jesus. Um, I can't think of a bigger blessing in my life than standing here today. Um, For three years, uh, for three years, God has been stirring this transition uh, over Cammie and I. And one of the hardest things to do is to leave what's happening in this area. And uh, like I said, I'm a little all over the place. I hope you follow me. But what God is doing here is very special. And uh, before I share anything, I just wanna say, Nathan and Philip, I'm so honored to be able to speak this morning. I, uh, I used to go to their youth group when I was like 10, 12, 14, some of these guys up front, and in the city down here, and in the, in the boonies, actually. You guys know what Spring Grove is. And uh, I used to come in as a Florida kid, because our dad planted a church in Florida, and I used to come in and get wrecked every time I was in their ministry. And I just want to affirm every word Nathan has said over the past few months. I know I don't need to, but I just want to say we're with you. And I feel like this morning, I just feel like God is asking us, are we ready for the season he's bringing? And I want you to get this in your heart because there's a new day upon us in Providence, in South Africa, in this region. It's a new time. It's a new day, and one of the wildest things that happens in new seasons is there can be confusion, there can be fresh sin, there can be old patterns, there can be fear, and I just felt in worship this morning that the Lord was going to do something special because he's called each and every one of you to this place for this significant time in history. 
And I want to share a scripture out of Psalms to kind of get into the greater word that's on my heart this morning. But before I do, I just want to share just briefly. I don't know if you know a little bit about what's happening all over the world right now, but it's also happening here. Let me give you two or three awesome statistics and things just kind of stir your faith as we jump into the word. Um, one of them is uh, there's a ministry through YWAM and a man named Andy Bird. He's one of my favorite leaders, if not my favorite leader, the most integrous in, I think, the whole body of Christ and what he's leading and what he's carrying. His life is sparking a third great awakening among Christians and in the nations. And he's led this gathering called The Send. And The Send is basically going to nations, seeing who is desiring the things of God, and then it's catalyzing their heart into what he's calling them to do. And um, all over the nations, there's, there's already accounts of three more gatherings, even after um, the one that's in about two months. But from Brazil to Argentina, um, Jesus is filling stadiums quicker than you 2 and Coldplay. Come on. Is that exciting? Like, I, I, just, I just am so stirred this morning with faith because of what, what Jesus is doing among us. And I just, I just feel like it's such a cri- critical hour that we get just a, a, a fresh perspective of this. Another thing that is happening is if you don't notice it through media or social media or Instagram or what, um, there's just great unity in the body of Christ. There's just great unity between churches, between brothers, between um, families, between ministries. And it's no longer about a denomination. It's just about Jesus. And the beautiful thing that's happening is people are realizing that it's not how you sing, it's not how you play an instrument, it's not what scriptures you know, it's actually about how much you desire and hunger for the things of God. And I just feel like this morning that God's gonna stir our hunger. And I love it, I love it. The last thing I wanna share is that when it, when it happens, uh, it'll be an amazing day, but there's a thing called End Bible Poverty Now that uh, Lauren Cunningham, who started YWAM, is just kind of spearheading in his last few years of ministry Um, He's in his 80s. He's been to every nation on the earth. He's the biggest catalyst in our generation. When he dies, the ripple effect will be even more, I believe, than guys like Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke. I don't know if you know them. If you don't, it's fine. But these are just evangelists that have changed history. And this man's life is just one to honor. We've been able to sit under him and his wife. Um, They've been able to pray over our team as we're pioneering something new in this season. And he's spearheading this thing called In Bible Poverty Now. And what it is, is it's making, making known that the scriptures are true, that Jesus says when scripture gets to every every, uh, nation, tribe, and tongue, uh, his return is imminent. I don't know if you know that scripture, but these are days that we're living in. We're living in days where I, I think the last statistic, Cammie might be able to tell me better, but it was five to 10 years from actually seeing every tribe, nation, tongue, people group having scripture in their language. And as we enter into the Christmas season, my greatest desire for us this morning would be that Jesus is the treasure of our hearts, that Jesus is seen and that we hunger for him because, guys, we're living in days where we can't take the hills we thought we could unless we're hungry for him. Unless we have everything we need from Jesus. We can't have any other lovers as Nathan shared this morning. And before I pray, I want to read this scripture. This is Psalm 44. The psalmist says, I don't have this with the guys, but this is just something that the Lord gave me during worship. I think it sets up the message well. It says, this is the psalmist says, we have heard of, we have heard of our ears, O God, with our ears, O God, what our fathers before us have told us. What you did in their days, in days long ago, with your hand you drove out the nations and you planted our fathers and you crushed the peoples and made our fathers flourish. It was by their sword that they won the land. 
nor did their arm become the victory. They did not do it. You did it. It was in your hand. It was by your right arm. Then it goes on to say, you are my king and my God who decrees victory for Jacob. Through you, we push back our enemies. Through you, we name and trample our foes. I do not trust my bow, the psalmist says. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give me the victory over my enemies, Lord. You put my adversaries to shame. In God, we make our boast, it says, and all day long he will be praised. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for, God, what you've started in our hearts, and I thank you for the Christmas season. But God, I just, I just ask you this morning that we would leave different. God, that this Christmas, God, real awe and wonder would come back into our faith. God, that this would be a time where we don't only hear about you, but we know, God, that you are everything in our life, in our family. God, I pray that what you're, you're doing in this season with Providence, God, as they take a new hill, as they pioneer new land, as they pioneer new things, God, that you would be the one that is seen above everything. And Lord, I thank you that there is a new day upon us, and what you're doing is so good, and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 I love the Bible. Does anyone love the Bible? Yeah. Is anyone happy to be here today? Yeah. Come on. I get so stirred um, anytime I get to share, but I wasn't planning on sharing that um, psalm. And then in worship, the Lord was just really pressing into my heart. And I felt he was saying that it's a great avenue to describe the story of Joshua, which I want to get into this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we could turn to Joshua chapter 7. And I want to describe a little bit of the story, but I also want to describe why I brought up the Psalm 44 this morning before we get in. But if you are one of those Bible people, praise God for you. The sword is a, the thing that we need, amen? So I just encourage you to turn there, and I want to just describe why I shared this verse out of Psalm 44. Psalm 44 is a very strategic passage this morning because I feel like it is describing the way we see a move of God. And as I've been listening to Nathan preach the past few months, I listened to all of his podcasts, I listened to Marcel and the guys, and what I hear is coming a new day. Coming a new day, there's a hill, people have sown in, we're getting cleansed, we're going after new things, we're, we're, de we're desiring this new season. It's no longer hours of set up in the school, the guys in the back know what I'm talking about. It's a new day, praise the Lord, he says. It's a new day, you're gonna have your own place. And I just felt that coming in this morning, that I just wanna describe to you, anytime it's a new day, as it's been for my wife and I, the enemy's greatest strategy is to get us thinking that we're the ones that bring the victory. We're the ones. And some of this message, might, might, you might not feel like it's for you, but it's for every single one of you. Because what happens in the story of Joshua is that there's, there's a battle to be taken, there's a war to be taken, there's a hill, follow me, to be taken in York City. In this passage, it was the, the people of Israel and the... They're, they're in the promised land, they had a few more battles and they were taking their, one of their final hills. But what happened is in the camp um, of the Israelites, there was a man named Achan. And as they're entering into Jericho, 
Um, VeggieTales doesn't do the best, the best way of describing the story of Jericho. Shout if you've heard Jer the Jericho story in VeggieTales. Come on, can I get an amen? <laughs> Praise God. I think there was like slushies, purple slushies. They're just spraying everybody. I was so stoked when I watched that. I can't wait for my daughter to watch that. But anyways, they, some, something, and I, maybe I'm wrong, but I remember watching it. There's not an, an emphasis on what happens with a man named Achan enough. And what happens is as, as Israel approaches their, their, one of their um, key battles before being able to divide and conquer every area of what God has promised, there's a man named Achan who didn't follow the instructions. He tried to do it his way. He brought his own arm into the picture. He took his own sword and this is how he did it. He went in and God made it very clear that there were devoted things in the camp of Jericho. And the way that VeggieTales sometimes messes it up is they don't show all this, that's what I'm saying. But what happens is, is that uh, Achan took of the devoted things as Jericho was being plundered and as they were leaving. And God made it very specific that in this battle, and I hear even this morning for this season, we cannot be taking of anything unless God says to do it. And I feel this morning very strongly in my spirit that the story of Joshua is just a prophetic picture not only for our church, but for the churches around us. And I want us to put ourselves in this story and realize that every single one of you, from the youth to those that sit in the back every week, you have a vital role right now. You have a vital role. And your vital role is not to give money, although there's money that's needed, Nathan. Your vital role, and you know he knows this, but I'm saying this because I want you to hear me. Your vital role is to press in like you've never pressed in before. To know him like you've never known him before. Because here's what happens, guys, and I'm gonna move right into my message. If we are not pressing in and there's any sin in our camp as we take the hill, what will happen is the world will look in and they will be able to point a finger at someone on the stage singing and calling for more of God. And, and he will start this confusion. I've seen it my whole life. Every time we step into a new season, he, he stirs up confusion. And what is confusion? Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. That scares me. What is confusion? I can't give, I don't have enough, and I've got five cars. Whoa, I feel uncomfortable. This is the people of God. This is Israel. This isn't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not speaking down to anyone in this place, because this was me. And I want to take you there this morning. But I want to challenge you to press in because your specific role in this season is so vital. Are you with me? So let's go to Joshua chapter 7. I want to pick up the story at a place after describing what I described. Uh, chapter 7, verse 7. This is Joshua because Joshua, who had just taken over from Moses in the transition season, see, a new season, the people of God are stirred up. What's going on? Joshua's a man of God. And they don't know what's going on. And Joshua didn't know that Achan took something from the land. So now he's before the Lord in prayer. Maybe picture Nathan this morning. Before the Lord, God, we're going. We're going. Right? Nathan and Mike and, and Phil and these guys and the, the leaders in the, in the sound ministry. Lord, we see you coming with us. We see you taking us in. And this is what he says. Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to just stay on the other side of the Jordan. And I want to give you that language before I share why he's saying that. 
after Achan took from Jericho in their season of breakthrough, they, you know, they're around the walls, all this stuff happens. The, Joshua sends another uh, team to uh, Ai, one of their other final battles, and they go in with more troops than they needed and they get destroyed. And, and Joshua is before the Lord crying out, God, why? You told us to take the mountain. You told us to take the hill. Why are we experiencing death? And I felt the Lord just say this this morning, and this is so good. I want you to hear this out of verse 10 now. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have, they have violated the covenant of God. They have taken some of the devoted things, stolen. They've lied. They've put them in their own possession. I want to stop right there. The biggest way that the enemy screams in our ear when it comes to this world is that we can have what makes us happy. Possessions and things other than God lead to destruction. Every way. Joshua sees this, he's distressed, they're taking in their next city. This is why the Israelites cannot stand, he says. They've turned their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you any longer unless you destroy what is among you that is devoted to destruction. He says, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. I want to jump ahead. Lord just says, you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove this sin, Achan, you name it. Are you with me this morning? I want to approach the scripture with four Achans. What are Achans? They're areas of sin that hold us back from breakthrough. Achan went into the land Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. Jesus loves every one of you this morning. His heart for you is just like it's always been. But Achan went into the land and not only did he not trust God to be good enough to give him the promise, but he, he tried to short circuit the process. And I just feel in my heart, I love watching guys like Caleb up here. I just wanna affirm you, bro, because I just watch you from a distance just, I don't even know you, but you just, you're not short-circuiting any process in your life. God's got a massive call over your life, but you don't, you don't need it right now because God's good enough. Same with his wife. And I know there's so many others, but why is that, why is that so catalytic in our understanding of moving forward? Simply because land is a big deal to God. This ministry meeting in a school for this season is significant to God. You coming in in this season is significant to God. My father moving out of this area in this season is significant to God. Philip and Nathan being some of the most catalytic leaders I've ever seen in my life, leading this movement right now is so significant to God. This is a movement, I hope you know that. This is a movement, this isn't a Sunday service. This isn't my Chick-fil-A. Are you with me? And, and what, I'm, what I'm asking us to do this morning is to just go a little deeper, just a little bit deeper. Can we just say, let's go a little bit deeper? Let's just say it again, let's go a little bit deeper. When you go deeper, sometimes it hurts, but it's the, it's the way he works. I wanna give you two funny stories and then I wanna get into the first Aiken. One is our new leader for our ministry in South Africa, his name's Gabriel, and uh, God's used him vitally in my life, but. I was blinded to the truth that he was speaking over me because of the way I viewed what was happening in my season. And I'm not gonna get off on this, but just follow me. He's a very straightforward person. And I got with him in South Africa on our outreach from our discipleship training school. 
and he called out two areas of sin in my life that had been affecting my marriage for three years. And I looked at it and I was like, you know, after I tried to justify my problems for a long time, I just actually broke. And why am I saying all this? I'm saying this because for three or four months after that, I was blinded to the call of God that was so clear to go to South Africa because of the momentary discomfort of the truth of God's word. And I just wanna share with us this morning that if we think in this life that a good service or a nice worship song is gonna pull us in to the place we've gotta be, we've just missed it, guys. We've missed it. The other story is this, I was driving with my sister-in-law, Carrie, who uh, took me to a place because my wife had the car and we only have one car and she had a car seat this week. It was so good. And uh, in the moment, I, I mean, I jumped into the car and she was listening to you, my Chick-fil-A from, uh, you know, I don't know, Kanye. You know what I mean? Who likes Conway? Come on, be honest. <laughs> Shout out. Come on, come on. There's more people that like Kanye. All right, it's fine. Here's the deal. I was cracking up because then, then like two days later, we're in New York City and, and uh, my mother-in-law blessed me with a pair of Kanye Yeezys. So I just, I just thought I'd put that out there. The blessing of God is upon my Christmas. Yeezys are in the house. I didn't, I didn't wear them this morning, but I just wanted you to know. I just felt like sharing. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. The first Aiken, the first Aiken God is calling us to take out is a lack of trust in God. I've shared a little bit. I want to share some statistics with you about why I would jump into this. As a culture, we are the most feelings-driven generation in history. There was a statistic taken um, through somebody that came into Wyoming. I think his name was Phil Manginelli, if you want to look him up. He's one of the greatest um, theological, um, but just full of zeal type of pastors in the body of Christ. Love his heart. He came in and he spoke on culture. And he, he he talked about this statistic and he said that feelings now have become rights. And he said this, when you, make, when you take away absolute truth and you make truth what you feel, you actually create an unreached people group. So I wanna say that again. When you take away the truth and you replace it with feelings, you create a generation that is moving out of something that is not definable and it actually makes you unreached. So what's happening, why youth with a mission is so effective is because they know that youth carry, everyone up here, youth carry the next move of God. So we're in days of transition. And what this means is that there's young people coming into this season. I want all of you to hear this up front. And any youth in the building, young adults, if you're 20 to 25, I want you to hear this. These are days where the world is moving in ways that we can't be moving in. And not only is purity important, but if there's any... If there's any ability in you to try to define what you feel as truth, you've got to take it to the word of God. And why am I sharing this? Why I'm sharing this is because I'm in the current season as well of hearing this from the Lord. So I want to go to this in my life. I want to share with you what God's been doing. But I also want to share with you these are desperate days. If you haven't heard it already. What happens when we make feelings God is that everything in our life becomes about us. Everything. And it's a deep thing. I know I'm gonna talk fast. I know I am talking fast, but I want you to hear me. When we make feelings God, 
Everything we look at, everything God speaks to do, every move of faith in the grocery store to buy someone's cookies for Christmas goes through a filter of, oh, I don't know if I felt that. And that's you. It's not God. And God took this to my heart in a profound way this last season. I want to get into more of it, but I just want to share before I do. We had two leaders come into our group and they shared about pioneering. And I speak to you as Nathan has about pioneers. You guys are pioneering. If you don't feel it, you are. Praise the Lord. You're pioneers. You're in the anointing of my brothers. What what these people shared was that two things when you're pioneering, they said these two things and they wrecked me and made me go so deep. I thought I was deep. The Lord was like, whoop, you're not. For at least the first year of pioneering, you can't listen to your feelings. And in my heart, I'm like, I have a baby. My wife loves her family. Why are we leaving them? I don't want to leave York. I want to, I want to pick up truck. I want to travel and let my wife be a mom. But God's like, nope. Real maturity, this is the other thing. Real maturity comes when we stop asking God for things to feel easier. And the Lord wrecked me with these two things took me straight to the story of Joshua. Can you imagine if Joshua took the people of God from Moses and said, walk around the city for seven days and then shout with trumpets. Dance on Sunday morning. Give when I don't have enough. Put put yourself in the story. Go to Africa. There's something I'm doing in you, Jordan. It doesn't look, it doesn't always look right. It doesn't always feel right. But God still speaks and he's still who he says he is. I wanna share with you what happened. The Lord began to show me of a deep area in my life that those in the room that came that ran with me, I know some here, I won't name names, but guys that I love just said they were coming this morning. This is something I blind, I was blinded to and I kept justifying in my life. An area in my life that was blinding me to living out of feelings then, pushing me to living out of my feelings. As I began to get more afraid of moving to South Africa, regardless of the fact that we have more words than most people to go, from the Lord, from people in our life, from scripture, divine times in his presence, I was still in anxiety. And I would come back to my room, I would throw things, I would tell Cammie everything we're doing is a shamble, I just wanna go back to York. I would say these things. And she would grab me and just say, the Lord wouldn't have spoken to do this for us to just leave. Why do I share that? Yes, to invite you into my heart a little bit, but to share with you that there are things that are at the root of why we're not trusting the Lord. And my area of idolatry, I'll get into defining it quick as I can. My area of idolatry that was keeping me from saying yes and being all in was the gym. And some of you, as soon as I said that, I can already hear the voice. Oh, great, you're a missionary. God spoke to you about the gym. Cool. You have no idea what I'm going through. I do. And what the Lord spoke to me about it was that I had began to find more peace out of my time and my accomplishment moments in the gym than I did out of his presence. And that hurt. I actually called Philip about two weeks before I made the decision to do a 40-day fast of every form of working out. And uh, he told me of a dream that he had and there was breakthrough on the dream. And the Lord spoke to him of something that's coming, but how the Lord was healing him of things in his life. I don't need to share. And I went back to my room and I remember just 
getting with God for a minute and I looked at Cammie and I said, it's working out. That's what's keeping me. So simple and so stupid maybe to some of you, but here's what happened. I entered into a 40 day fast of working out. About six days in, somebody came and spoke to our school about intercession and contending for regions and nations and what God's doing among the nations and revival. And these things I used to in Bible college be like, yeah, that's enough, I don't need to hear that. And God gripped me for intercession. And I was back there praying today for many of you. And I just heard the Lord say, press in, press in in this season. Press in, you might look a little weird. I look weird. God's gotta take care of it. But here's what happened. For 40 days, I didn't do a push-up. The Lord just kept refining me to show me that he was really good enough without working out, without a, a lap around the school. I was even taking worship music, guys. I'm like, Jesus is with me, man. I got vision when I'm running. I'm just pacing, praying. But the Lord's just convicting me. And what he's convicting me of was a deep dependency on my own feelings. And here's what happens. We enter into a place, here's my next aching for you. It's self-idolatry. We enter into a place of self-idolatry when we keep justifying things in our life that we don't need, when we really need him. We need him. And if you've never met him that way, I wanna encourage you that this morning, God would bring me from Kona to show you that it's possible to meet him like this. It's possible. And, and this morning as I was praying, there were certain things that I was praying and I just felt like God said, just share it. And, and, and I just stand before you today. I hope you hear my heart with the stuff I'm sharing because these are days of great awakening. I firmly believe that the intercession that my youth ministry poured out for three years will not go in vain over York City, over York County, over this region, over the ministries that are not even a part of this one. And these are days where we've gotta be tuned in. What is idolatry? Because it's a strong word. It's not just something that happens in marriage because quite frankly, we all live in deep idolatry every day. What idolatry is, is when there's, there's an idol, let me do this. When an, an idol is anything we have to check with before we say yes to God. Anything. That could be your kids. Oh, that hurts. That hurt me because I don't see how my daughter's gonna make it with all this transition. I've watched missionary kids. They just grew up with wounds. And three years ago, I didn't see myself moving to South Africa. I don't think my wife did either. But what yes to God does is it takes you in a place of depth and wholeness. And for you this morning, I, I just firmly believe that the present under the tree is just it's really new depth, as Phil was sharing in worship. What is self-care? I hear the argument loud in my ear this morning. Self-care is things that are important for our health and for our mind. I wanna tell you that I started with the point of feelings because a generation has um, indoctrinated us into thinking that we need 20,000 things to be at peace. The coming days we're moving into, if Jesus is not everything, in a moment with your word and his presence in a, in a Bethel soundtrack, then he'll never be enough. He'll never be enough. Why will he never be enough? Because we're in a world that has no idea, they have no idea what the Bible is talking about. And we've got people going to colleges, we've got ministries sharing things that actually scare us 
away from the realities that heaven is bringing. Why is that happening? It's because our feelings are even moving into the church. They're moving into our universities. And I just wanna put it before you this morning to say that maybe where you're at, God's calling you to go deeper. I don't know what your area is this morning, but I wanna ask you three questions before I move. First one is, what are you moved by more than his presence? What gets you out of bed? What has more power over you than God? To take the hill, we've got to destroy those things, guys. For me, working out had more power over me. I couldn't find rest and peace in my soul because the feeling I grasped at the gym felt better than the feeling in this presence. I know I'm talking fast, but get me, guys. It's not easy for me to share this. It's only until we come to the end of ourselves that we can move into the promise. I want to move into the last thing. And it goes with, with two things, but it's my last Aiken. It's paired with another one. When we go deep with the Lord, we don't get more dreams and more weirdness. We get more of him. And what does that mean? It means less of us. So for the days that I would wake up and instead of go to the gym at 5 a.m., I would press in and get my wife coffee. I didn't feel anything a lot of days. But I can tell you right now that it was way more satisfying than the gym was. And it took a few weeks. But here's the thing. We move into a place in our life of living out of insecurity, which is my next Aiken, because we are secure in a voice that's not his voice. And I know, I know it's 1130, but please tune in. This world makes us think, let me make sure I say this right, Jesus, give me strength. This world makes us think that what we do is who we are. So regardless of how good Philip is at singing, or regardless of how good the other worshipers that come up here, and Bennett and these guys, if they allow that voice in their head and the voices from external things to get into who that they really are, we've moved into an area of, uh, of mess, of nast, as Nathan says. And, and nast can look like a lot of things, but I'm telling you that it's only until we can hear his voice above our voice that we really get a place of peace at Christmas time. And I think, I think, I think this time of year is a little heavy for, for a message on the word idolatry and insecurity, but I, I promise you that if your kids get a hold of Jesus, they don't care what you get them. I promise that if you get a hold of Jesus, the next best car, just, it just won't matter. It won't matter. The first time we came home from Kona, I was going over there because I felt burnout. The Lord said two things, sell your truck and start praying more. I was like, okay, great. So I thought I did it. Sold my truck, everything's good. And then the Lord calls us a year later to go back to Kona. I'm like, great. I would love to live in Kona. It's the coolest environment ever. There's a lot of cool people. They're very trendy on Instagram. It's great. You can still have a truck. But then when I got back there, it took me a few months to understand that God was actually trying to kill some stuff in me. And not everyone actually takes authority over their things in their life. And the reality of this message is that if you don't take authority, 
the voices of this world will keep riding you and riding you into places you don't belong. And at Christmas time, I just wanna encourage you that if Jesus isn't enough, there's not another time of the year that's gonna feel as good because he's so near during Christmas. Candlelight services, you know, you grew up crying. I thought it was just because my mom's Pentecostal. <laughs> Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Yeah, it's true. Doesn't matter. I just need Jesus. But he's, he makes himself known at Christmas time. And it's very, it's very significant this morning. I hope you get the urgency of my heart. I'm not angry. I don't, I don't have anger. You can ask my wife. I feel urgent. These are days of urgency. These are days where if we don't have zeal for the things of God, we won't make it. We won't make it. You can make it in your own way, but you can't make it in his. Here's the thing that's paired with insecurity, and I'll close here. The word compromise in my life felt like I didn't have anything going on with it, and I kind of pushed it away during this last season. But the Lord really pressed in a little deeper in my heart and uh, used the definition of compromise in this last season to get a hold of something else. And this is what compromise is, last Aiken for the day. When we accept an outcome less than God desires and when we're passive and don't do what he asks us to do. See, Aiken's problem he, he signifies something this morning for us. Many people talk about this passage for tithing and other things. But he's, he's an example of what one compromise, one passive moment can do to a people. And I just feel so strongly that this morning that my desire, I hope you know, I'm not one of those weirdos who wants just to see people quacking on the floor. So I'm not gonna close this message with some wild response. That's not who I am. YWAM kind of gets that impression sometimes. I don't know if you've heard that. Maybe I'm just being a little intense. But that's not who I am. I want Jesus to come and I want him to be everything for you. When he becomes everything, there is no compromise. There is no idolatry. There is no sexual sin. There's no voices in their head. Most of us in this place, I even hear this this morning, it's an act of just a little bit too much um, competition in our minds at Christmas time. And I just invite you, even before I go to just, to just close this morning, I want you to just maybe close your eyes with me. Let's just, let's just go before the throne. I feel the word salvation on my heart this morning very strongly. All throughout worship, my chest was burning with the word salvation. I don't know what that means, but I know some of you in this place at Christmas time this year, God's asking you to actually be saved. What does it mean? It means this is the Christmas. I want you guys to close your eyes. This is the Christmas where Jesus becomes Lord of everything. This is the Christmas where I don't need Philip to get me into his presence. And I just want to ask us a question before we close today. Are there any open doors in your heart of compromise that are leading to feelings-based living that have denied the truth of God's word and that have pushed you into an area of insecurity? I know that's a lot. 
listen to the podcast. <laughs> I want you to get this. I just want to close with this thing. You can open your eyes. Does anyone know who John Christ is? Raise your hand. John Christ is someone who's been gifted. And I don't know if you've seen the media. I'm believing the best for John Christ. But very recently, it's come to the world's attention that he has been living in compromise with women. And I'm not here to bash John Christ this morning. Hear my heart. Love the guy. I, I believe God's best. I believe he will have a comeback in the midst of one of the most hypocritical situations. But this is what I believe. I believe John Chris is a warning call to the church. It's a prophetic picture for us today. What is it a picture of? Cynicism, joking, doesn't make it unless Jesus is everything. And I just feel like at Christmas time, God would say that even some of us here, we have gifts we can lead people into his presence and we're longing to be seen. But God's just saying, there's compromise. You've been compromised. And until you get rid of it, you ain't gonna be seen. I can't take you to the promised land. Get rid of Achan. I was watching two movies preview for the Star Wars with my brother. It was so cool, I got to go with him. My dad bought us a ticket at 9 a.m. I was like, what are we even doing here? I need breakfast. We saw, we saw this movie, and in the process, there was 45 minutes worth of advertisements. And in the advertisements, it painted a picture of what I'm preaching just in a worldly way. Here's some of the things the movies were shouting. The, the world sees what's coming. It's time for us to respond. In order to do what you need to do, you need to get an idea of the threat that you're facing. In order to see this next mission rightly, this is a spy joining into this thing about nuclear war, which may be upon us. I quite frankly don't care because Jesus is in control. But this is what he says. This movie has just made me feel afraid. I literally was shaking. I'm like, God, I'm never going to see that movie. This is what the Lord was saying to me the whole time. This is what the line said. He said, in order to see the next mission rightly, you have to change the way you see the world. This is the spy getting told this from his people sending him out. I'll repeat that. In order to see the world rightly in this next mission in the right way, you have to change the way you see the world. My prayer is simply this this morning. And maybe with our eyes closed and our heads bowed again, we could just go before Jesus this morning. I want to honor a student here in the front who I feel like the Lord has been speaking to, but I watched, even as I was speaking, there was an ability for them to, thank you, sorry for my sniffles. There was an ability for them to move into a place of honoring the Lord and his presence. And I just wanna invite us into that place just for one more minute. I know it's lunchtime. I know I, I talk a lot and I'm intense, I'm sorry. But I wanna take you to the story one more time and Joshua, and I just want us to go before Jesus and, and just, whether it's our finances, whether it's our personal secret life that no one knows about, whether it's the fact that we need to be seen, all of it, 
we all deal with. I deal with it. Nathan deals with it. Philip, Mike. What God would be saying is it's time to consecrate the people. The word of God still speaks today, even out of the Old Testament. In verse 13, Joshua 7, is an invitation to consecration. I just would ask you this morning, is your heart in good condition? It's not about what you believe if your heart's in bad condition. If you can't talk to Jesus, theology isn't gonna help you. YWAM's effective because they go off of God's voice. I'm thankful for the ability to step under their covering in this season of my life. Because what, do, what it does is it pulls you out of your comfort zone, but it's always real. And God puts you places that you never thought you'd be. And this morning, I even, I even look at this position to speak as somewhere I never thought I'd be. Not because of anything of this world, I just, I just thought we'd be gone. And what is God saying to us this morning? One of the things I've heard Nathan do is so good to make sure that you know you can leave because the realistic thing is our daughters have to go, number two, right? We have busy things to do. I just made that up, it rhymes, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I'm not inviting into, you into an experience today. See, what happens with Psalm 44 is that you see that it's his arm that takes the land. It's not more good singers or more people up here dancing. I love them, I was dancing. But here's the deal. If we don't have Jesus being our everything, we won't take the hill. So I just wanna, I wanna just invite you maybe just for another moment, just into a place of response. I think there's a sense of the holiness of the Lord. So let's just close our eyes one more time and then Nathan can come up. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.